this is the Chris Soriano Football Frenzy Podcast. some answers on the offensive side of the ball. Second and four. Here's another broken tackle. This is the rookie, Trey Palmer, and he is gone. Touchdown, Buccaneers. Bradbury missed the tackle, and Trey Palmer did the rest. Josh steps up, and he's going to get the first down. Oh, there he goes. No one's going to get him. Number two of the Football Frenzy Podcast here on Spotify, Amazon Music, and wherever else you may be listening to this lovely podcast. Uh, thanks to our friends at Buzzsprout for being our home base, and uh, we are here. It is uh, week number two of the NFL playoffs, and what a opening week that we had. There was so much action that went on this past weekend, and... There were two games that kind of surprised me. Um, actually, I feel like every game, in a way, surprised me, except for the Monday night game, uh, which was the Eagles and the Bucks. First off, Texans and Browns. Uh, we had last week the Browns winning that game. We were wrong. I was wrong. I was dead wrong. Actually, before we uh, start this podcast, Gonna crack open a cold one and talk some football here. 
So, Texans, Browns. Very surprised by this one. Now, we spoke about going in the Cleveland defense was one of the bright spots of this team. And also the fact that that defense was so good. We were talking, could they make it to the AFC title game, to the Super Bowl? That's how good that Browns defense has been. But it was exposed. It was exposed. And, uh, you know, again, I gave them the benefit of the doubt. You do look back. You do look in their schedule a little bit deeper. They did have an easy enough schedule of games that they did win. Maybe, maybe it hid that defense with how not that great that it is. Uh, Flacco was someone who came off the couch, breath of fresh air for Cleveland, and a great fan base. And man, did they, did they deserve it. An 11-win season this year, uh, basically with their entire team depleted by injuries. Stavansky did a great job, and I still think despite the uh, pounding that they took in this game, Stefanski should win Coach of the Year. But 45 points. Wow. And, uh, again, a couple of them were pick sixes. Uh, okay, so the defense gave up, what, 31 points? I mean, this, this was an ass-whooping. And Flacco was prone to the interceptions. Threw a touchdown, threw for 307 yards, had two picks. Pick, two pick sixes. So those are 14 points right there. Singletary, the running back, great game, 13 carries, 68 yards. A touchdown. Nico Collins, wide receiver. Gee, it's amazing. Uh, when I had him in my fantasy football, he never showed up. Now he's just balling out here. Uh, seven receptions for 106 yards and uh, one touchdown there for Collins. But the big thing here, C.J. Stroud. Stroud becomes the youngest quarterback to win a playoff game after the 45-14 to victory there. And C.J. Stroud, man, he, he, I, I feel like as the games are getting bigger here, He's just getting better and better. Um, like I said, youngest uh, quarterback to win a playoff game. Threw for 274 yards. Three touchdowns. I mean, that, that, that is amazing. And D'Amico Ryan said it best, coach of the Texans, who also has done a great job. You can make a case also he could be a coach of the year candidate. But Stroud is the reason why they're in the position that they're in. He's special, special player. And uh, as Ryan said, he's continuing to shine no matter how big the moment is. So if you're a Texans fan, wow, you know what? This guy on the big stage, he's getting better and better and better. And the whole team seems to be leaning on him. And like Ryan said, he has the shoulders. seems like he has the shoulders to carry that weight. He has just absolutely been phenomenal. He was the second overall pick. Let's, let's talk about him for a little bit. Second overall pick in the draft last April. Also the highest draft the rookie QB to win in the postseason, as we mentioned. Um, and again, he picked apart this Cleveland defense. Picked him apart. 15-yard touchdown pass to Nico Collins. 76-yard touchdown pass to Breven Jordan. 37-yard touchdown pass to Dalton Schultz. And he passed Michael Vick, who was 22 years, 192 days old in 2002 when his Falcons beat the Packers. Um, Strata was 22 years and 102 days old. The kid is special, and um, you know we we've spoken about uh, you know where this kid could have ended up, and uh, who knows, the Panthers would have took him if all if, if any of these teams would have took him, but Strat is in Houston, and man he is making Cleveland pay, 
as Cleveland made the trade with Houston, and they got basically a haul back, as in Houston. And uh, they, they seem to be working wonders with what they got back in that trade. Miami and the uh, Chiefs in Kansas City. That was a game. A little bit surprised by that score, 26-7. We, we thought the Chiefs were going to win that game. Uh, my, Miami, I think, were frauds the entire year. Like I said, they had one signature win, if you want to call that, against the Cowboys, who gave them the game. And more on the Cowboys a little bit. But 26-7. to and it felt like it wasn't even that close. As Mahomes drew for 262 yards and a touchdown. Isaiah uh, Pacheco, 24 carries for 89 yards and a touchdown. And we played that. By the way, the uh, audio at the beginning of the uh, podcast, courtesy of NBC Sports, Fox Sports, CBS Sports, and ESPN. And also Rice, the wide receiver, uh, eight receptions, 130 yards and a touchdown. Again, Another one, I, I had him in my fantasy and uh, did nothing, but yet he kept 130 yards in a playoff game. Go figure. But Mahomes here showed you why this kid is the modern-day Tom Brady. Just when you think that the Chiefs are out of it, just when you think that Mahomes, okay, this is going to be it, this is over, this is done, he comes at you in a big playoff game, frigid temperatures, record low temperatures, throws for almost 270 and a touchdown. And this game had everything. Mahomes' helmet shattered on the hit, Andy Reid's mustache was frozen. This, this was insane. But we had a Chiefs win, which we expected that one. So I guess, not really, I, we, we had what? 21-14 as our score. It was 26-7. I, I guess it's not it, 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 it's not that bad. This one was a huge, huge surprise to me. Not the outcome, because I feel like I was one of the only podcasts out there, one of the only uh, people out there in media. Fox Sports all picked the Cowboys. Um, I had the Packers winning this thing, and everyone's like, oh, my God. You know, they're 8-0 they're no at home this year, Dallas. They're, they're doing well. This is their year. They can get at least to an NFC Championship game. But when you look at it, like I said, death taxes and the Cowboys choking in a playoff game since 1995. First off, forget about the choking, you know, and it's it's automatic. They're going to choke, this and that, blah, blah, blah. The Packers were just not a good matchup for the Cowboys. We spoke about this. We spoke about the Cowboys, their inability to stop the run. What happened? Jones, who we spoke about last podcast, to end the regular season, three straight games with over 100 yards rushing. 21 carries, 119 yards, three touchdowns. This guy was on fire. Fire. Could not be stopped. And this was, again, a Dallas team that the inability to stop the run. You know, everyone, you know, they rave about these defenses. The same with the Jets. Oh, man, that, that Jet defense is great. 25th against the, the freaking rush. If you're a good defense, you could stop anything, the run and the pass. Not these Cowboys. Again, very susceptible to not stopping the run, and that's exactly what happened. Dabs, the wide receiver, six receptions for 160 yards and one touchdown. Jordan Love, though, this kid is special, and 
again, I, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and uh, go off on Aaron Rodgers. I, I'm not about that. I'm not going to sit there and attack this guy just because he refused a vaccine, and that's why everyone hates him. I mean, let, let's be honest. Aaron Rodgers is hated because he refused to take a vaccine, and he spoke out against it. God forbid he has a difference of opinion. That's a story for a whole other podcast. But I feel like the life without Aaron Rodgers for the Packers is pretty sweet. And I think it's going to be special for a long, long time. This kid saw Rodgers, who, forget about what you think about him, personally on a professional level and in terms of football, one of the best ever to do it in his position. An absolute machine. And Love saw how Rodgers ran this offense for years now. And just like the rotating door, which hasn't been a lot, of Green Bay quarterbacks over the years, Favre did his thing. Rodgers shadowed him. Rodgers stepped up, had a great career. I feel like Jordan Love could be that next guy. Packers have really hit a home run in their last two quarterbacks, in Favre and Rodgers. So far, so good with Love. I'm not going to sit there right now and anoint him the second coming. But what you're seeing so far out of him this year, this kid has the tools to be something special. First of all, like we mentioned, 2-5 and five to start the year. And he really has strapped this team on his back. And he just seems so calm in the pocket. He seems so loose against Dallas in Dallas on the road in the playoffs. He didn't care. The most points, by the way, also that the Cowboys have ever given up in a playoff game. And I don't want to hear Dak Prescott, oh, he drew for 403 yards. Yeah, three touchdowns, two, intercep- two interceptions. That's what I'm worried about. Two picks. Guess what? He don't throw those two picks. Maybe looking at a different game. But the fact that he drew 403 yards, I don't want to hear that. That's garbage time points. That's garbage time yards. That's exactly what that was. The Packers defense was up by a million. And let's face it, they took the foot off the gas. I think they just got lackadaisical. In no way am I going to sit there, oh my God, Prescott had 403 yards. Who cares? They were meaningless 403 yards. This guy is 2-4 and four in the playoffs. I don't think you can win with Dak Prescott as the quarterback. I don't think you can win with Mike McCarthy as the head coach. And I don't think you can win with Dan Quinn as the defensive coordinator. What are you going to do if you're a, an owner and Dan Quinn comes in to interview for the job? Okay, Dan. Tell me about the 28-3 uh, blown lead against the Falcons and tell me about uh, your team giving up uh, 48 points to the Packers, the most in uh, Cowboys franchise history in the playoffs. Really? Okay. We're done here. Goodbye. I, I mean, I don't understand why he's so high in demand, Dan Quinn. It's like Steve Spagnola, like when, when he was in high demand to be a head coach. Spags had a, a great unit of players. You know, I mean, let's be honest. And... Again, I think he is more equipped to be a defensive coordinator. He has worked wonders in Kansas City to a point. He does have that unit ready to play. But my God. Dan Quinn, really? Head coach? Look at the track record. And we'll get into the Cowboys more in a a little bit. 
I want to just keep going through these games here. Lions and Rams. This was a big one. Very shocked, and my wallet was shocked as well, that this wasn't uh, the high-scoring game that we thought it was. It seemed to be that way, and it seemed to be headed that way after the first half of football, and then it just died out. The teams traded field goals in the third quarter, and really the, the second half was a, a pretty much a snooze fest. Uh, I mean, not if you were a Lions fan, but uh, yeah, really not a, lot, not, a lot, not a lot of points going on in the second half. But the Lions get their first playoff win in 32 years. Did you hear that? 32 years. Stafford, though, had a good game back in Detroit. 367, two touchdowns. And even Williams, the running back, 13 carries, 71 yards. And Noshia, the wide receiver for the Rams, nine receptions, 191 yards, a touchdown. Those three guys on the Rams were the, the leading scorers, leading players in, their, in those categories. On Sunday, they still lost. The Lions, they find a way. Motor City Dan, Dan Campbell, doing his thing. You got to love this team. And I think this team showed, with the way they wore down the stretch defensively, and again, the way Goff looks, this is a serious Super Bowl contender that we're seeing in the Lions. A serious Super Bowl contender. Not even close. And guess what? Now, the Lions are hosting another playoff game. That place went bonkers last week. Can you imagine if they punched their ticket in Detroit to an NFC championship game? Are you kidding me? How loud that place is going to be? <laughs> I feel bad for Tampa and Baker Mayfield. But great game. That was really the game of the, uh, of the weekend was Lions and Rams. I thought it would be the game of the weekend. And then Monday, uh, Bills and Steelers. Steelers actually kept close in this. But in the end, it was the Bills 31-17. Rudolph had a nice game. I mean, he had a pick, which was costly. Threw two TDs, 229 yards. Not a bad game for the kid. But Cook for Buffalo rushed for 89 yards or 19 carries. And Allen, again, Allen is a much different quarterback. We said it last week. We had the 52-yard scramble, which we heard in the open. Allen is a much better quarterback at home than he is on the road, which is why he makes this weekend's matchup with Kansas City in Buffalo so much more interesting. And again, we'll get into that when we get into that game. But the Steelers got to give him credit. I, I thought Buffalo was going to just wipe the floor with them. Uh, this, this was a one-score game. In the fourth quarter. They had pulled to win the, within a one-score game. It was 21-0. They were killing them. Buffalo. And got to give Pittsburgh credit. They came back. They bounced back. But in the end, 31-17, Bills win. Uh, despite, like I said, the uh, great game from uh, from Rudolph there. Buccaneers 32-9 over the Eagles. As uh, Mayfield drew for 337 and three touchdowns. Uh, White, the running back. 19 carries, 82 yards. If you're an Eagles fan, you sit here and you look at the season, you start at 10-1, and you start to think to yourself, well, where did we go wrong? We finished 11-6 after a 10-1 start, and we got blown out in the playoffs by the Bucs. 
who, yeah, the Bucks were the higher seed, but I, I thought the Eagles on paper were the better team. But we just knew this was going to happen. It just had the makings of an Eagle collapse. It just had the makings of the Buccaneers just whooping up on them and moving on. And sometimes, you know, when it looks like what it's going to be, it is. When it looks like it's headed towards a crap storm, it's usually the case. But sometimes it's not. Sometimes the team hears the noise, they pull a rabbit out of their hat. There was no rabbit being pulled out by the Eagles. They were absolutely outclassed, outcoached, outplayed in this ballgame. And Nick Sirianni has done a great job there in Philly. But you can't tell me this season is not an indication on him. I mean, you got to figure heads have got to roll, right? Now, Laurie has, has said he will bring back Sirianni. And I, I just don't think I agree with that. You look at a team going 10-1 and one, and then collapsing the way they did, finishing 1-5 the last six regular season games, then getting blown out on the road in a game where, again, we, we thought they were going to lose, but some people still, they were keeping the faith. Okay, Philly's going to bounce back. At least they're going to win a playoff game. They're going to get off the schnoz here, and they'll bounce into the divisional round. No, not the case. So if you're looking at it from, from an owner's perspective, you got to say, well, listen, i got to fire some coordinators here. Someone's got to pay. You just can't sit here at 10-1 and one and finish 11-7 and seven and expect to run it back. But I think Sirianni is well-liked by Laurie. And we haven't really seen, unless it's gotten really bad. I mean, look how long Andy Reid was there. The, the Eagles coaches usually have stayed there under Laurie and they have last, unless under extreme circumstances. You know, the Chip Kelly thing was not working out. He pulled the plug on that after three seasons, and I thought that was three seasons too many for Chip Kelly. But Laurie usually, he keeps the faith in the head coach. I think what they're going to do is they're going to defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, they got to try and beef that up because they need something's got to be done there. Something has to be done. And obviously Jason Kelsey retiring. I think he had just had enough. He was tired of hearing about the butt fumble. Tired of hearing about this. Tired of hearing about that. He's going to make a... a, He's probably going to get offered some TV deals to be an analyst. He's got the podcast going with Travis. Great career. Hall of Fame career. Great guy. Wish him all the best. So that's really the breakdown of the games that we had over the weekend. And we get set to see what we're going to do in the divisional round. Ravens and Texans, I love Stroud in this game. I, I do. But I think Baltimore has the home field to their advantage. I think Baltimore this year has shown us defensively that they are a Super Bowl contender. I think defensively they have, they have shown us they have the makings of what it takes to be a Super Bowl team. And also, what has Lamar Jackson done this year? He's been absolutely incredible. Jackson, Stroud, are you kidding me? 
The Ravens may give up some points here because Stroud is that good. But I think Baltimore pulls out the win. I'm going to say 27. Give me a one-score game, 27-20. Ravens in Baltimore over the Texans. Packers, 49ers. Green Bay after whooping up on Dallas. We'll travel now to the 49ers. And the 49ers are a team that has been magnificent all year. Purdy's had a great year. McCaffrey, obviously, a stud. But the 49ers, let's not make it like they're uh, a 16-1 team. They've lost five games. And Jordan Love is on an emotional high right now with this Green Bay team. Like I said last week, and I'm going to say this week on the podcast, it matters when you get hot. You get hot at the right times. This was a 2-5 and five football team. And Love has put this team on his back. They finished out strong. They were 7-3 and three the last 10 games. They whooped up on Dallas. And they will narrowly beat San Francisco to move on to the NFC Championship game. Give me the Packers avenging the losses of Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs to Colin Kaepernick and the 49ers. Give me Jordan Love outdueling Brock Purdy in San Francisco 24-21 the Packers go to the NFC Championship game expect a big 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 game from Love and this Green Bay defense do not be fooled by what happened last week with the 32 points they gave up to Dallas to me eh, they just put up their feet and they coasted when it mattered, they had no answer. Dallas had no answer for that Green Bay defense. And it's going to be a barn burner in San Fran. Green Bay 24-21. They move on to the NFC Championship game. The Lions and the Buccaneers. Oh, man. Mayfield's playing good. He had a great game. Goff is slinging it. What I love about these players is that you have pretty good quarterback matchups in almost all of these games. And Mayfield and Goff is another one. It's a sneaky good matchup. Montgomery's been running the ball well for Detroit all year. St. Brown has been a threat for Detroit. It's been a great target of Goff. I wouldn't count out Tampa Bay. It's not going to be a cakewalk for Detroit, but it's also not going to be a Buccaneers win either. Give me Detroit in Ford Field. To move on to the NFC title game against their rival. And wait a second. What does that mean, folks? Yes, that means the Detroit Lions are going to host the NFC title game against their hated rival, the Green Bay Packers. Oh my God. The NFL writes itself. This Talk about storyline. For the love of God, folks. Who's directing this stuff? Who's the producer? This is what they call Hollywood writing right here.
Lions 29-20 over the Bucks in Ford Field. Lions move on and will host the NFC title game, the Bills and the Chiefs. You know, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs have been a thorn in the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen side the last couple of years in the playoffs. They have always found a way to take Buffalo down. The difference this week is they are in Buffalo instead of Kansas City. And this is where Kansas City, the way that they were in the middle of the season, is going to cost them. This is where you say, if they only won this game, if they only won that game, we would have had a home game for the divisional round, and then we wouldn't have had this situation. Josh Allen will outduel Patrick Mahomes in Buffalo. Give me 36-31, the Buffalo Bills, over the Kansas City Chiefs. So your AFC and NFC wildcard conference games. So your AFC and NFC conference championship games. The Ravens will host the Buffalo Bills. And the Detroit Lions will host the Green Bay Packers. Can't wait. Now, we do have a couple things we want to talk about here. Uh, Antonio Pierce, as we are recording this, has been signed officially as the new full-time head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. They have uh, taken the interim tag away from him, which I think is a smart move. Pierce has done a phenomenal job with them. They were playing way, way, way above their level this year. Uh, And you can tell they just clicked. Once McDaniels left, well, was fired, and Pierce came in, you could just tell it was a totally, totally different team. And coaching the NFL matters. We can say sometimes that maybe the manager in baseball doesn't really make that much of a difference, but the head coach in football does. He's got to build his culture, a winning culture, a championship-level culture, a culture, a, a, a culture of accountability, and that's what he has to build. And Antonio Pierce, I think, did that. Great job on him. And he will be the next head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. Jared Mayo, he has, is the new head coach of the New England Patriots. So Mayo and Pierce, two uh, black NFL head coaches, um, which, again, is a great thing. My thing has always been this. They're qualified. doesn't matter what color they are. Take them. I know we've had some people over the years, they want to hire Minority candidates, just to hire them, just to feel good about themselves. That's not how you're supposed to go over things. Because then we're getting away from what we saw for years in the 60s and 70s, and that was race, and, and throughout how many years in America, and that was blatant racism against black people, against minorities other than white people. And we don't want to be doing that. We're better than that. If they're qualified, damn it, give them the job. So yeah, you bet. You bet. As as someone who, it it's it's pretty cool seeing that, seeing how far this country has come. Yeah, the first two head coaches hired this offseason have been black. That's absolutely great. And you know what? They are qualified, and it's awesome for the game. It is absolutely incredible for the game. Love it. Can't get enough of it. Falcons, Chargers, Panthers, Titans, Seahawks. Still, are looking for a head coach. Mike Vrabel's a big option. Big option, man. Seattle. Well, Washington also is in need of a head coach. 
Don't know what's going on with with, with Bienemy. Has Bienemy interviewed? I haven't seen any. I don't see anything about the commanders even interviewing him. Have the command? I don't even think the commanders have started their interview process with head coaches. Unless they're doing it behind closed doors, because I haven't seen anything of anyone interviewing for the commander's job. And, and we knew back in September that Rivera wasn't coming back. So I don't know. I mean, again, I feel enemy makes the most sense there. He's been there. He was, he was an offensive-minded coach. You want him to work with the quarterback. I mean, it's it's right there. I would think Bien-Ami takes the enemy should get the Washington job. Uh, the Falcons are making a big push at Belichick. Also, Harbaugh. Harbaugh interviewed them. Uh, bah. Harbaugh interviewed with them the other day, but then Belichick met with Blank separately and is having a second interview. I think Blank wants him. And I think Belichick wants the job. And I think it's the only, I don't think Belichick has even interviewed for any other team yet. I think he has his sights set on the Falcons, and I think he wants it. Like I said, winnable division, high draft pick. You just got to go and go and get a quarterback. And I think maybe Bill thinks he can develop a quarterback. It's the pride thing in him. Let's see what he's got. So I can see the Falcons, maybe Belichick landing in the Falcons. Harbaugh, I think he loves Michigan. Like I said, you won the national title. What else is there to do? Harbaugh to the Chargers, I think, would take Herbert to insane levels. Vrabel. To Seattle, I like the move. Carolina, I have, I have no clue. I have no clue. Not, not a clue. Again, I think I think for Carolina, you have to have maybe a young, flashy offensive coordinator, young offensive coordinator. The guy in Detroit makes the most sense to hire Johnson. But... As we stand right now recording here on January 19th, Pierce and Mayo, Patriots and Raiders have crossed off for the uh, searches. They have got their head coaches. Will the other six teams follow? We shall see. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Football Frenzy. We will see you next week in time to review the divisional round. If there was any more news across the National Football League in terms of head coaches and also preview the conference championships. I'm Chris Serrano. Thanks for listening to Football Frenzy. This has been the Football Frenzy.